Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teacher Cast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 244. And today we are continuing our celebration of digital learning and common core curriculum merging together. Today we're going to be looking at vertical alignment. Yes, how do we take all of those digital learning skills? How do we take that scope and sequence that we discussed last week in episode 243? And how do we ask ourselves some key yet vitally important questions to help our graduates be exactly what they want. And then, of course, we're going to ask ourselves the question today, well, how do we get there? Well, to continue this conversation, I have my good friend Barb Scully on. Barb, how are you today? Welcome back to Ask the Tech Coach. Yes, I'm doing great. Washington State, it is a blue sunny bird it is a blue sky kind of day, and we are starting to get into the upper 70s, Ooh. which is wonderful. We are having those Connecticut days where sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 90, and that's just the way it works here. We want to know where you guys are and what you're doing. We have a great platform here. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much. Don't forget you can find out more information about this and all of our shows over at askthetechcoach.com. And we would welcome you guys to be a part of our Instructional Coaches Network on Facebook, LinkedIn, K-12 Leaders. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. We are here each and every Monday serving you, the Instructional Coach and the Digital Learning Leader. Now, Barb, we have talked for the last three weeks about this concept of creating a digital learning strategic plan. And we decided that a digital learning strategic plan really is this roadmap for how you're going to infuse ISTE standards, ISTE digital learning standards into that core curriculum. And last week, we had a chance to really figure out that scope and sequence. And we said, if we're going to put this together, how do we know when to introduce these skills? And when to bring these skills into elementary, middle school, high school, how do we sort them all up. We talked about technology skills, digital citizenship skills, digital literacy skills, my favorite, the digital competency skills. We, we've gone through the whole thing, but today we're actually going to be doing one of those episodes where somebody reached out and said, hey, I, 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 I want to ask the tech coach. Barb, what's our question for the day? Yeah. So it is, how do you create a K-12 digital learning curriculum that is standards aligned and based on your digital learning strategic plan. This is a good question. This is a great topic. And I think, Barb, in order to figure this out, we need to figure out a couple things, right? Standards aligned. Clearly, we're yes. looking at the ISTE standards. Well, well, which ISTE standards, right? We've got the coaching standards. We've got the leadership standards. We've got the student standards 
And of course, we've got the teacher standards. So when we're putting together a digital learning curriculum, which standards should we be looking at? Oh, such a good question. Well, I think we have to go back to, so we have to look at educator side, uh, which what is learner, leader, citizen, collaborator, designer, facilitator, and analyst. Mm -hmm. So going and looking at those standards, which then will help you always pivot to student and what administrator or coach or something like that. Um, But my question for you is what is vertical alignment? That vertical alignment really is trying to figure out not just the when, not just the what, but the why. All right. And I was thinking about this as we were preparing for this. Many of you know that once upon a time I was a music educator, spent 15 years teaching orchestra, strings, all of that stuff. I even did marching band for a year. Yes, me, marching band for a year. And If you look at vertical alignment, we know that at the end of high school, we wanted our students to be able to play in a musical and be the musical pit, right? Like it's always awesome when you go to a musical pit and you see students playing, not professionals. Or you go to the the football game and you see the marching band and there are, you know, 50 to 150 kids all having a great time. So how did you get those kids there, right? How did you get yourself into a situation where the kids are – under the stage, in a pit, having a good time, or my favorite, standing out on a Friday in the rain with a feather on their hat. Well, you had to plan that out. You had to say, in order for you to be where you are and have these skills, in middle school, the kids needed to be doing this. And in elementary school, the kids needed to be doing this. And we know that by looking at elementary, middle school, and high school, Follow me here for a second, everybody. We know that an elementary band teacher, elementary orchestra teacher, I I believe they have only one job. And their one job is to get as many kids as possible signed up for the orchestra, signed up for the band, right? Like their only job is to put their music man hat on, you know, be that Professor Harold Hill, if you will. They want to get as many people playing flutes and clarinets and trumpets and trombones and drums, right? If they can bring as many kids as possible to middle school, they've done their job. Now, what are they doing in elementary school? They are teaching notes. They're teaching fingerings. They're teaching rhythm. They're teaching posture. They're teaching instruments set up. All of these rudiments, In middle school, the middle school teacher only has one job. They take all of the flutes and they turn them into flutes and oboes and piccolos. They take all of the clarinets and they turn them into clarinets and oboes and bassoon players and bass clarinet players. They take all the trumpets and they turn them into French horns and trombones and and they orchestrate it because they know that their only job is to create a wider variety of sound that then becomes the wind ensemble, the string orchestra, the marching band, the, you know, all of that stuff. So when you're looking at elementary, middle and high school, everybody has their job. You get as many as possible, you orchestrate it, you put them on stage. And by doing that, you have a successful program. I'm going to pause here, Barb. Does that make sense or am I a little crazy? 
Well, <laughs> or both. you're always a little crazy, but aren't we all? <laughs> no, I think that you give a very um, descriptive answer in um, in helping others visualize, okay, the groundwork of which you are to help set set things up for that vertical alignment for that entire curriculum. Now, music isn't the only discipline no. that does this, right? I mean, you can look at art, right? In order to be mm -hmm. into, uh, you know, mechanical drawing or architecture or, you know, ceramics, you know, you have to have the basic art skills. You know, you start with drawing a circle and, you know, middle school, you do a little bit more of CAD work and then finally you're building a house. Um, science, same idea, right? In order to get into biology and chemistry, you kind of have to know how to mix some things and how to know your periodic tables. I mean, any of these topics are vertically aligned. So when it comes to your digital learning curriculum, what does that mean, right? How do we look at this both from a coach's lens, from an, uh, an administrative lens, a teacher's lens, and then also the student lens? otherwise known as all of your ISTE standards, right? So how yeah, do we so do, do we that, need to right? go back and talk about what those ISTE standards are? I think so. And we're going to certainly make sure that we link to all of these things. When we look at those ISTE standards, they really are aligned, right? Like every one of the, every, you know, student, teacher, they're all part of these seven pillars that ISTE has come up with, right? You're a creator, you're an analyzer, you're a producer, you're a listener. They're all kind of in there somewhere. But when I work with principals, when I start to sit down with building leaders, whether it be in my current position or as an instructional coach, I always ask one question to them. And I'm, they're always kind of taken aback by this question but the question is very simple and you've heard me say this on this show at least 244 times right but the question is when you walk into the room what do you want to see right what kind of instruction do you want to see how do you want the teacher interacting with the students with their environments because if we can figure out the answer to that question we can also then ask the question well by the time a student gets to 12th grade what do you want them to become? And Barb, there's a number of things that you might want a student to become. What are some of the things that if you're looking at your, your students, what might you want them to become as they're going through their high school career? Well, are we talking about CTE or are we asking like, what do we want them? Uh, so do we want them to know how to present? and or do audio and video creations, uh, graphic design. Uh, we want, of course, we want them all to be writers. Are they all musicians? No, but. <laughs> exactly, right? And so, yes, when your students are going through and they're getting their graduations already, like clearly they've got all their majors in mind. But in order to successfully get into those majors or be successful as people, they need to know a variety of skills. You need to be able to speak to somebody. You need to know how to present yourself. You need to know how to take media or some kind of content and produce something. You need to be able to write. Now, you're doing those skills. Right? As, a, as a district, you're teaching those skills through 
science, math, English, social studies, mm -hmm. right? Like you're now the subjects become the through to get to the skill, right? Now we're used to on this show talking about it the other way. The technology is how do we get through to the curriculum? But at some point in middle school, you have to reorchestrate yourself. You have to look at that and go, we're not teaching we video so they can learn science. We're teaching science, math, and social studies so that way when they come out of there, they're able to pass an interview, an audition, a networking advance. They need to be able to do all, like, so in other words, middle school is where they're orchestrating everything. Does that make sense? Sure. So my question now is to what if what is it that we how do we decide what skills students need to learn to be able to do those skills? You have to ask the question, I think. Right. Like yeah. this goes back to our conversations about the digital learning plan. Like you can't do this by yourself. Right. The coach cannot sit and go. I think, right, you have to get all your stakeholders in, in the middle, right? You have to ask your group of people. And that could be community. That could be a, a, a committee. That could be your board. Like anything like that. What are those skills? For instance, if you are living in certain parts of the country, you might decide that one of the skills that everybody needs is agriculture. If you're in other parts of the country, you might decide that certain skills are AP courses, very generally, right? But yeah. you get the like your district's going to determine what that community needs, and of course, build the courses for it. What we're discussing today is okay. How do you get those soft skills out of there so that way you're creating that well-rounded person through the curricular activities? And all you have to do is just to have those conversations, and then of course, as we mentioned, you break it down. When are we teaching these things? How are we teaching these things? How many times are we teaching the? In what courses? And then the hard part, like, who's going to do this, right, Barb? I mean, <laughs> is, it, is it the library's job to teach typing or are we doing some kind of typing reinforcement in the classroom while we're doing a writing assignment? Where should these things be taught? And I don't know. Personally, I think the answer is yes. All of those places. All of them. Yes. I'm, I, I agree with you. So... When we break down these skills into these digital learning scope and sequences, how should we do it? Carefully, right? You, you <laughs> need to, you, I, mean, I, I, I always looked at it as, you know, you, you, you make your flow chart, right? Two columns with a little line down the middle and, you know, third grade, I'm teaching this skill. And in third grade, this is how I'm using, this is why I'm using it in, in social studies. Right. It's no different than, you know, when you talk to a library media specialist, librarian, whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of times where, you know, third grade, fourth grade teacher brings their class down, says, hi, how you doing? By the way, we're doing this research topic. Thanks very much. Have a good time. Bye. And the librarian's always like, well, if I knew this ahead of time, I could have prepped for you. And that's what we're talking about here working within that community to say, look, if the fourth grade teacher is looking for the kids to be able to do this type of project to meet those curricular standards and goals, then why not keep the library media specialist or the instructional coach or the STEM coach or whoever? Why not keep them going so that way three weeks before the fourth grade teacher needs it, maybe that's when the fourth grade student is learning about it. So that way there is this kind of dual roadmap that's going on that um, 
makes sense and doesn't put stress on everybody and gives both teacher, coach, and student the opportunity to really learn, regurgitate, and then put that information into good use into curricular terms. So decide what topics should be taught and then what should also be taught by those specialists. I think when you do that, you're going to give not only the teacher a great setting because they're going to know that when they go into that chapter to do that particular project, which, by the way, the coach is working with them on, they know that their students have already gotten those skills because they know that three weeks prior, the library media specialist or whomever's supporting those research skills and did sit skills, the students have already been given that information. And now how do you put all that together? That's where your ISTE standards for instructional leaders come in because your ISTE standards for instructional leaders say you need to create an environment where this is expected and this kind of collaboration can be supported within everybody in the, in the, in the building, not just classroom teachers, but everybody gets those opportunities to collaborate. So when we're looking at how do you meet those standards and you ask the question, which standards? Yeah, it is all standards get to go into creating this vertical aligned digital learning standard-based curriculum. So how do we know when students need to use digital, uh, their digital learning skills to showcase their knowledge of that subject? I'm going to throw that back at the SAMR model, right? Every teacher is coming at their curriculum in a slightly different form with slightly different skills. The hope is that we look at the SAMR model not as a ladder, because I don't believe it's a ladder. But if we look at it as in the course of a a unit, right, a unit could be multiple classes, you're going to have chances to substitute a digital tool for an analog tool. You're going to have an opportunity to have students work together in a group and augment what any of those activities could have, should have been, or would have been. And then, of course, modify them and redefine them so that way they make something. Giving a student a Google Doc versus a written piece of paper, that's nice. But then asking them to turn that into a podcast is so important because we know that down the road, we want those students to be broadcasting or doing live video or morning announcements or running the radio station or calling football games. Like There's so much stuff down the road which is why it's crucial and vitally important that those instructional coaches in the K to in the in the the K to five, but the K to eight area really are working with teachers on what those skills are going to be down the road. It's never about today. It's about where do you want to see your students once they get to those eleventh, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grades. So really quick. So if we had somebody who was let's say freshly out of college or maybe a uh, a plan to teacher and who didn't go to you know teacher school and you you said samra model what does samra model mean samra model is an acronym s stands for substitution a stands for augmentation m stands for modification and r stands for redefinition and really it's just this roadmap that says how do we take the traditional and turn it upside down on its head. 
And how do we take that traditional paper-based, everybody take out their pencil and really create an environment where students are able to show off their knowledge of the subject in a slightly or completely different way? Again, paper into Google Doc is nice, but what if paper turned into the diorama? What if paper turned into a video project? What if paper turned into a 3D model? What if paper turned into a podcast or a video or an interview series or an online learning course or a, a book creator project or a you name it? How do we get them to redefine what we're supposed to be teaching them so that way they can show off and showcase what they're knowing in a way that's a little bit more than just your traditional five paragraph essay? I like it. Thank you. I always think of along those lines for other people who could be listening just to gain new insights who have not listened in on what to the other previous 243 episodes. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Now, now that we're kind of wrapping this chapter up, what is, what is your call to action for our listeners on this subject? What well, is it that you want them to specifically do that's a good question, right? You know, the easiest answer is if you have any questions, just just reach out. Like that's why we call this Ask the Tech Coach, right? But start to have these conversations. Have them within your coaching groups. Have them within your PLNs. Ask their teachers, like, you know, why are we teaching this? Why do we do these activities? Ask your principals, right? Like if I'm working on this stuff in third grade next year, can we do this in fourth grade? Or just ask your principal the question, like, what do you expect the fourth and fifth graders to be able to do? Great. Well, now in third grade, I'm already setting the scene for that. And when you do sit down, as many of us are these days with our final evaluations and such, pull out the flow chart, right? So when they say to you, what have you done all year? Well, I'm prepping these kids for next year. I'm prepping these teachers for next year. I'm doing so. And then, you know, we've done a lot of shows on data collection and tools and stuff like that. This is how you start to become more of a data-driven standards-based instructional coach. It's not just finding, you know, here's the way that I use WeVideo. That's nice. But here's why I'm using WeVideo, because in the future, I want my students to be able to create a video, edit a video, make a tutorial, share that tutorial, promote that tutorial, uh, make a graphic that I need to have for an intro to another video that I'm going to make. And that's why in fourth grade, we're doing WeVideo assignments where they just open up that front facing camera and they tell me about their weekend or they put that into their kitchen and they're videotaping themselves making a sandwich because we want them to be able to do step-by-step -step of how do they do something, they're gonna need that skill later on. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing all of that. I This is fantastic to be able to walk away with and be able to apply it. I think that's the most important concept of, of this entire conversation, how we're going to apply it so that way our students are going to be better in the future. And I'd love to hear from you. If this makes sense to you, 
please let me know. If this is something that you're questioning, please let me know. I do want to give a shout out. I'm not going to say the person's name, uh, but somebody did uh, uh, reach out to me over the weekend. We had a fantastic like two and a half hour uh, conversation by video on things like uh, coaching resumes, coaching interviews. How do you apply? Where do you go? Like, we just completely helped this one particular person out. And if you're sitting there struggling, going, how do I do something or what, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm failing, I'm succeeding, I need help. That's why we're here. That's why this is Ask the Tech Coach. And I am serious. Reach out to me, email me, find me on Twitter. I would love to sit down and help you guys out. We've been doing this for the last almost 12 years, and I'm looking forward to the next year coming up. Um, Next week, we have the final, the finale of what I'm calling part two. Every single um, show that we've done for the last three weeks, including today and, t and next week, is all around this part two of the book that I'm writing about how do you create a successful digital learning culture. And... I'm looking forward to next week. We're talking all about curriculum mapping. How do you make these individual curriculum go together? And what does that look like? What should it look like when you're entering? What should it look like at the end of the day? Um, love to have you on. If this is a topic that interests you, please reach out. We'd love to have you as a guest also in all of that stuff. So that's a little bit where we are. But there is another podcaster here on the show. Barb, talk to us a little bit about some of the shows that you've been working on and what we can expect out of your amazing podcast. Yeah, so I released a podcast on uh, vocabulary instruction because aren't we all vocabulary teachers? Regardless of high school or down to kindergarten. We're all teaching some sort of vocabulary going on. Uh, so that, and then I'm going into STEM, you know, science, technology, uh, engineering. We also have to put in that A for art because that's a huge component for CTE instruction um, and then mathematics. So I'm working on a, a STEM integration for family and consumer sciences education podcast. So that I'm hoping to have that released here pretty soon and kind of winding down the school year. So a lot of really great stuff in going into, gosh, how can I save conserve conserve is the keyword conserve my energy and have all of my units all planned out prepped and ready to go for the fall so instead of doing that mad dash three days before the school year begins so that's all sorts of the fun all sorts of fun stuff that i got going on in the back of my head and hoping to apply it <laughs> We are going to make sure we have links to all of Barb's great uh, resources, podcasts, etc. Again, this is episode number 244 of Ask the Tech Coach. want to say thank you, guys. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all of your colleagues in the coaching world. We are also going to be broadcasting live to all the stuff on our Instructional Coaches Network group over on Facebook. Join over 1,500 coaches. We would love to have you. And that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 244. On behalf of Barb and everybody here on the TeacherCast Education, Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. 
You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.